In just one week, all drink shops in Taipei will be banned from selling their beverages in disposable plastic cups. That's a new rule that will become effective on December 1st with the goal of reducing plastic use. Several companies have already switched over to paper cups. Though they are 10% more expensive, businesses say the change won't be too much of a burden. According to Taipei's Department of Environmental Protection, 90% of more cities, more than 2,000 drink shops have already been contacted to prepare for the new regulations. The new rules are expected to cut down the city's use of single-use plastic cups by 76 million cups every year, which would otherwise generate 912 tons of plastic waste. A new secondary symptom of COVID-19 is emerging. Doctors say lots of people are developing ear infections after vigorously blowing their noses to relieve the symptoms of COVID. In fact, it's quite easy to push mucus towards the ear whenever you blow your nose. We spoke to ear, nose and throat specialist Chen Rongfeng to find out the best technique. Whether you've got COVID or any other respiratory illness, a runny nose is a common symptom. But how to manage the snot can be a dilemma. We asked people on the street for strategies. Some people may not take enough care when they blow their nose. A wrong approach can result in middle ear infection. A university student in Kaohsiung was recently reported to have suddenly lost his hearing in the right ear after a bout of COVID-19. He also felt dizzy. An endoscopy revealed that he had an inflamed eardrum and a buildup of fluids due to a middle ear infection caused by overexertion in blowing the nose. I've come across lots of cases recently, in fact, where patients who have COVID draw the mucus up into their head or blow their noses with too much force, causing the mucus to flow backwards and resulting in the symptoms of a middle ear infection. You should blow your nose one nostril at a time. Don't put pressure on both nostrils simultaneously. Chen says that if both your nostrils are blocked with snot, putting too much pressure on them will force the mucus up toward your eustachian tubes, passageways that connect the throat and ears. That can cause middle ear infections or, in severe cases, burst eardrums. When we blow our nose, sometimes I suggest not blowing too hard or leaving your mouth just slightly open. That way you won't so obviously make the pressure in your ears increase so sharply, which can damage the eardrums in your middle ears. If you start to have symptoms, don't delay in getting to see a doctor. Wedding tra traditions are changing fast and the wedding invitation is the latest custom to get updated. More and more couples are choosing a unique, surprising or funny style for their wedding invite. An exceptionally creative design by a couple recently went viral online. Family and friends thought at first glance that they'd received a fine. When you get a pink notice like this, your heart sinks. Time to pay a government fine. But look a little closer. 
it's actually a wedding invite. What would be the photo of your traffic infraction is actually a photo of the happy couple posing in their finery. The columns inform you of the date and location of the wedding. <laughs> it's a joke. It's not real. You can see that it's got the cover of a wedding invitation. So that way it won't make people think it's a fake or forged document. Next to a real notice of a fine, it does look quite similar. But friends and family of the couple are happy to get this letter. They will have to pay up, but they'll get a great banquet and a chance to wish their loved ones all the best. The father of the groom is a retired police officer. He came up with the idea, but didn't expect his son and daughter-in-law to take it up. Friends joke that he must be hung up on his old job if he's still issuing fines in retirement. But he's not the only one to invent a creative wedding announcement. An arrest warrant from the local prosecutor's office. What a frightening piece of mail. But you guessed it, this is also a wedding invite. The couple, also from the policing world, wryly instructed friends to send fines to the wedding gifts counter. Funny invites like this often meet with delight. This groom in the aviation industry designed his invites as boarding passes. This couple in real estate issued property contracts to the amusement of friends. Modern wedding invitations can be however you want them to be. They can stand out from the crowd. Modern invites like this have become the majority in the last year or two. Once upon a time, wedding invites were sent inside lucky red envelopes. But now, couples want to express themselves as they announce their happy news. And apart from sharing joy, they want to give friends a surprise and maybe even a chuckle. Video games are a great way to pass the time, but apparently can bring many other benefits, especially to older adults. A team from National Yangming Jiaotong University has found that video games that involve physical and mental exercise can help older adults age more healthily. After half a year of studies, researchers found that dancing along to video games and playing mahjong on tablets was beneficial to preserving a patient's cognitive abilities in their late years. They dance around, following the moves on screen to practice coordination skills. After shaking the body, it's time to exercise the brain with a game of mahjong. Acer founder Stan Shi demonstrates how to play the tile game on a tablet. This is a project by the company and National Yangming Jiaotong University to use video games to maintain good health in old age. My grandchildren are happy when they play video games with me, and that makes me even happier. On the front of my physical health, I go for walks and the trainer comes to my house weekly for a workout. She is in his late 70s but is still very active. He says his secret is lots of exercise, both physical and mental. A doctor says playing games can slow down aging and even prevent dementia. Older people with dementia might feel a lack of purpose, so video games can improve that aspect of their lives. Through brain imaging and other tests, we can see video games bring significant progress in things like structural changes. 
The research team found that playing video games improved the judgment and response times of older adults, especially in advanced visual processing. There was significant improvement in color, text, and facial recognition, which are processed by the brain's fusiform gyrus. We found that the cognitive and physical skills of people who didn't used to dance or play mahjong improved after half a year of training by getting them to dance and play. Video game companies and the entertainment sector are beginning to see potential in older demographics and are teaming up with academia. According to the Ministry of Health and Welfare, the average healthy life expectancy is about eight years shorter than the age expectancy. Now, researchers say playing and having fun late in life can be conducive to good health in old age. Taiwan shares shed 221 points on Monday on the first day of trading after the local elections. The index opened down and closed down at 14,556 points on turnover of 198.9 billion NT. An analyst says that it's likely that Taiwan shares will stage a rebound before the end of the year. Let's hear from him now. There is always some anticipation before year's end and before the Lunar New Year, as well as for financial statements from corporations. So that could bring change amid the fluctuation. So if, say, U.S. stocks also fluctuate at a high, we may see that same thing happening in Taiwan shares. The analyst says that the local elections were just a short-term factor affecting the market. He adds that over the past 10 years, the likelihood of a rally after the elections and before a year's end is 80 to 90 percent. He says the scope of the hike could be around 2 percent. With China's leadership still pushing its zero COVID strategy and implementing ongoing lockdowns, Chinese have taken to the streets in recent days in protest. In response, Premier Susan Tsang said public action was inevitable in the face of such strict measures. Meanwhile, cross-party officials in Taiwan expressed support for the movement in posts to Facebook. China has seen protests in recent days where residents in large cities gathered together holding up blank sheets of white paper. The protests are seen as a response to strict COVID measures in the country, as well as the Chinese government's suppression of free speech. The protests have caught the attention of many in Taiwan. The Chinese government implements lockdowns and other strict controls that affect people's lives. It's no wonder that it's facing this strong resistance. We closely watch any change in China, any movement, and we are ready to respond at a moment's notice. Democratic Progressive Party Deputy Secretary General Lin Feifan in a Facebook post noted that these are the first large-scale protests in China since the conclusion of the CCP's 20th National Congress. Lin added that China's internal situation was closely tied to stability in the Taiwan Strait, saying that the protests warrant attention. Meanwhile, with hashtag A4Revolution trending online, Taiwanese politicians including DPP lawmaker Xu Zhejie and the Taiwan State Building Party's Wu Xindai made posts holding up blank sheets of paper. Paper. Separately, renowned physician Tan Chukim posted a picture of a stack of blank paper, saying that he was happy to live in a country where there was plenty of blank paper on which to write whatever you want. Some in Taiwan wonder whether the demonstrations could topple the government of Chinese leader Xi Jinping. Public grievances in China have already reached a critical point, but whether this will impact Xi Jinping's hold on power, it remains too soon to say. However, despite there being conditions in place to maintain stability, to monitor people, 
people to maintain totalitarianism, there are still Chinese citizens willing to defy the risk and protest. This is already more than just a single protester on Beijing's Sihong Bridge. The researcher believes that whether the current protests spark more widespread demonstrations will depend on how authorities in Beijing respond. No matter what happens, it's clear that the public grievances in China can no longer be ignored. The sharing economy has a new dimension, umbrellas. An umbrella rental company is spreading across Greater Taipei. It already offers brawlies to rent at 1,000 locations. More than 3,000 pe people have availed themselves of an umbrella in their hour of need. The umbrella joins bikes and cars in the list of items that can now be hired on demand. A fine drizzle falls on the streets of Taipei. If you forgot your umbrella, never mind, just get out your phone. Key your passcode into the lock and your umbrella will open. One rental is 20 NT, paid for with mobile payment, and the umbrella is available for 24 hours. If you fail to return a brolly within the time limit too often, you lose rental rights. I think 20 NT is okay, because if you forget your umbrella, you have to buy a new one. It might cost more than 20 NT. It's like how convenient U-bikes are. They're everywhere. But what we're thinking about is, are these umbrellas stationed in lots of locations? Taiwan's first-ever shared umbrella company has established more than 1,000 locations across Greater Taipei in the last two years. Most are in residential communities or outside offices or stores. Some of our clients spontaneously rent our umbrellas. They think it's quite a good idea. The umbrellas are refilled quite diligently. When just one or two are left, they come by and refill them. Some of us buy a plastic umbrella in a convenience store when we don't have a proper one to hand. This company says their service reduces the consumption of disposable umbrellas and 90% of their shared umbrellas are returned. Everybody has a folding umbrella at home or a nice umbrella. So generally the Taiwanese don't really steal umbrellas. Meanwhile, students at National Taiwan University also began an umbrella sharing scheme this year. They want to bring the sharing economy model to life, but so far the project only operates on the NTU campus. With the local elections now over, Taipei Mayor-elect Jiang An Wan'an has personal appointments ahead of him, but he has yet to comment on his choices publicly. Reports say that the spots for deputy mayor could be held by KMT officials who have previously served as deputy mayors in Taipei, New Taipei and Kaohsiung. In addition, a Taipei councillor is being seen as a likely choice to join the city's administration. Taipei Mayor-elect Jiang Wan'an hit the streets for the second day Monday, visiting each of the city's constituencies to thank voters. Jiang's next step will be to meet with the city's current administration to discuss the transition. It's still up in the air as to who Jiang will choose to be his deputies. The last two days, the biggest thing on my mind has been thanking the city residents, thanking them for placing their trust in me and for their willingness to support me. I'll continue making plans for my administration's leadership. Jiang would not give away specifics, but it is believed that he already has two people on his radar to be deputy mayors.
On November 25th, the day before elections, the KMT's Li Sichuan appeared on stage next to Jiang as he campaigned. Li has extensive experience in city governance, having been in office head in Taipei previously. He was also new Taipei deputy mayor during Eric Chu's administration and Kaohsiung deputy mayor under Han Guoyu. Another possible deputy mayor candidate is former Public Construction Commission head O Jinde, who also lent support to Jiang's campaign. O previously served as deputy mayor of Taipei under former mayor Ma Yingjiao. Meanwhile, KMT city councillor Wang Hao is seen as a potential choice to work in the city's administration. Thank you everyone for your kindness. Based on my understanding of Wang An, I believe he will carefully consider how his team can do more for the public. The KMT is also now preparing for a legislative by-election in January to fill in Jiang's vacancy in the legislative UN. I believe that the KMT's central leadership will make proper plans and arrangements. Once details of the by-election are worked out, we have to come together as a whole and lend our full support to help the KMT safeguard this important seat. With this year's elections now over, Taipei's new mayor-elect will have his hands full with personnel appointments. A DPP lawmaker says a government reshuffling could take place in January after the DPP's poor showing in the local elections this past weekend. Some of the people expected to join the executive yuan include Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchan and Jilong Mayor Lin Youchang, both of whom are to soon complete their second terms in office. Meanwhile, Pingdong Commissioner Pang Bong-an is seen to be a good, good choice to take over as the head of the Council of Agriculture. Premier Su Zhencheng on Monday attended an event reporting on the government's progress toward implementing the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women. It's his first public appearance since the local elections. Though President Tsai Ing-wen has asked him to stay in his post, there are calls for reshuffling of the cabinet. The cabinet has been doing a good job, but with public opinion as it is, perhaps there could be some small adjustments. There are many mayors and commissioners who fulfilled their terms in office, so they could join the cabinet to continue serving the country. I think the time for that could fall sometime in January, after the Taipei legislative by-election. There should be a new list of names then. We will face the results of the local elections with seriousness, carry out a review, and respond to public opinion. There are many jobs that are being carried out right now, and we can't relax even a little bit. At the same time, we want to achieve better results. Premier Su did not address the issue of a government reshuffling directly. In any case, two officials that could leave their posts are Minister of Finance Su Jianrong, whose term expires on December 25th, and Council of Agriculture head Chen Ji-chung, who has said he's considering returning to academia. Any shortcomings or areas that need to be reviewed will be reviewed. The important thing is not whether I will stay. As long as I am at my post, I will do my utmost for Taiwan's farmers and solve all agricultural problems that I can. Several DPP local government heads will soon finish their terms in the local government. Among them is Pan Meng An, the commissioner of agricultural powerhouse Pingdong. Pan could be the government's next choice to lead the Council of Agriculture. Meanwhile, Jilong Mayor Lin Youchang, who's been actively promoting tourism in the port city during his term, could end up heading the transport ministry. 
I think Mayor Lin Youcheng has done great leading Jilong. He makes the most of his posts in government. Every day I am in charge of the ministry. I try to complete all the tasks I have at hand. Whether there are any changes to that will be a decision for the presidential office and the executive UN to make. Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchan and defeated New Taipei mayoral candidate Lin Jialong are also seen as popular choices to join the executive yuan. The CCC on Monday announced that Taiwan will be lifting its outdoor mask mandate starting Thursday. That means that face masks will no longer be compulsory in any outdoor spaces. They must still be worn in indoor spaces and on public transportation. Let's hear from the CECC. Our overall direction is that face masks are not necessary outdoors. As for mask rules for large New Year's events, we'll keep monitoring the situation and draw out special guidelines. If you're outdoors and you go inside, you still have to put a mask on, especially in public transport. That counts as indoors for now. Our rules for indoor mask wearing have not changed except for two things. One is you can remove your mask to sing. The other is you can take them off to do group toasts at banquets. Also on Monday, the CECC also eased several COVID rules. Starting December 10th, the cap on international arrivals will be lifted completely. Restrictions on hospital visits will be relaxed to allow two visitors at a time. Meanwhile, on the front of vaccines, starting Friday, children aged 6 to 11 will be eligible to receive a next-gen booster targeting the BA5 subvariant. The CECC also announced on Monday that it will no longer hold daily press briefings. Starting today, the CECC will hold press conferences only on Mondays and Thursdays.